Countdown for a blast off. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. If you wanted to take over our world with a minimum amount of resistance and trouble, how would you go about it? Tonight we'll tell you how, with a strange and chilling story by George Lefferts, The Parade. You are Mr. Sid Ryan. The same. My name is Luchar. I am a Martian. Ah, pleased to meet you, Mr. Lu... What was that again? A Martian. As in Orson Welles? Precisely. <laughs> I'm a Rotarian myself. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, now that we've had our little joke, Mr. Luchar, what can Publicity Associates do for you? I am interested in obtaining publicity. It has been my observation that advertising and publicity are the very backbone of earthly civilization. Spoken like a true Martian, Mr. Luchar. Now, if you'll tell me the name of the client... The client, of course, will be the Martians. You don't give up, do you? Give up? The gag, I mean. Oliver! Yes, Mr. Ryan? This is Mr. Luchar. Oh, how do you Mr. do? Mr. Luchar claims to be a Martian. Take him outside, will you, Oliver? I'm happy to see, Mr. Ryan, that my telling you I am a Martian has approximately the effect I guessed it would. I believe we can do business. I have here cash retainer of $5,000. Five thousand... Oliver... Take a look at that wad of lettuce. It's the real stuff, Mr. Ryan. And my client is prepared to spend many times that amount. Well, sit down, Mr. Lucha. Oliver, get the client a cigar, the 50-cent box. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, now, what can I do for you, sir? I wish you to manage a publicity campaign. A very large and important campaign. Is the product established, or is it something brand new? Something quite new. Now... What would you judge the most effective type of campaign? Well, if the client has a lot of dough to throw around, a suspense campaign is best. First, you place ads in the paper saying, Watch this space. Then about a week later, you run an ad saying XYZ or PDQ, and you get people guessing what it means. Then finally, when you've teased them enough, you bust loose and unveil the product. Excellent. We will conduct a suspense campaign. Of course, in this kind of campaign, secrecy is very important. Once the name of the product leaks out, it spreads like wildfire and the whole campaign is kafloppo. Quite so, quite so. The utmost secrecy. Ah, uh, you realize, of course, these things cost like crazy. Would, say, one million dollars cover expense? Uh, come again? I said, would one million dollars cover it? Why, yes, I am at... You did say, uh, a million. I understood that you have handled some very large accounts. Of course, if this is too big... No, no, not at all, not at all, I... As a matter of fact, I 
seldom touch anything less. Right, Oliver? Huh? Oh, 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 of course, that's right, Mr. Ryan. Absolutely right. Yes, sir. You will begin, then, by saturating the newspapers, the radio, the streetcars, with a very simple statement. Uh, what's that? I will write it on a card. Here you are. The Martians are coming. Say, that's not a bad teaser. Got that, Oliver? Yes, sir. The next ad will read, June 1st is Martian Day. June 1st is Martian Day. Uh, What happens on June 1st? The parade takes place. What parade? I wish you to arrange a parade up Fifth Avenue. You mean like the Macy Parade? Exactly. Except that the theme will be the world of tomorrow, the Martian world. My client would like it to be a gay affair. Balloons, clowns, pennants, pretty drum majorettes. Say, that sounds terrific. I might be able to interest the department stores in a tie-in. Fine. The parade will climax the campaign. On June 1st, the product will be unveiled. Good enough. Uh, by the way, Mr. Luchard, just uh, what is the product? Uh, what are we selling? Oh, no, Mr. Ryan. Secrecy, remember? Yeah, but after all... Mr. I... Ryan... All will be revealed to you in good time. For the moment, let us say that we are selling a concept. A concept? The concept of invasion from Mars. Sorrel Talent Agency. Uh, Sammy Sorrel, please. Uh, this is Sammy. Uh, this is Sid Ryan over at Publicity Associates. Listen, Sammy, how are you fixed for midgets? I got midgets. Fine. I need 40 midgets for a parade. 40. June 1st. And listen, Sammy, I want them dressed in little space suits. In little... Uh, you, you know, like men from Mars. Mars. Okay? And I want some movie extras. Uh, maybe 50 of them. 50. Also movie. rigged up like men from Mars. Make them look gruesome. Got that? Gruesome. Also, I need some horses with pretty girls on top of them. Yeah. Maybe you can get that bunch from Maroney's Traveling Circus, the one we booked for the Fireman's Parade in Albany last year. Yeah, I'll try, Sid. Never mind the expense. Just get me the talent. It sounds like you landed a big client there. Who is it? <laughs> it's a secret. I got to hang now. Call me back, Sammy. Right. Uh, how you doing, Oliver? Oh, fine, Mr. Ryan. Just fine. I got a hundred small boys pasting little stickers. The Martians are coming on the subway platform. Good. We got full-page ads in all the dailies. Good. And ten-second spot announcements on every local station. Good. It's costing a fortune. Good. The more it costs the bigger our percentage. Spend like you were going to the electric chair, Oliver. Yes, sir. How are you making out in the parade? If it comes off, it'll be the biggest thing since Barnum invented the midget. I've got Macy's, Gimbals, and Sacks to contribute floats. Everything is built around the Martian theme, see? Even the horses will have long feelers attached to them and funny-looking extra legs. It'll be sensational. That sounds fine, only... uh... Only what? Mr. Ryan, we don't even know what we're selling. Oliver, my boy... Do you think old Sid Ryan has been sitting here spending all this moolah and not putting two and two together? You mean, you know who Luchar represents? Just by accident, understand, I have learned that Century Pictures is making a big new epic. One of those expensive pictures they make in secret and then spring on the public because they don't want the other studios to get the jump on them. What's the picture? A space opera titled Invasion from Mars, get it? Oh, I begin to see. Also, by mere coincidence, it's supposed to have its premiere sometime around June 1st. You follow me? Yes, but uh, Mr. Ryan, Century has an exclusive contract with New Features Syndicate for all their publicity. Suppose Century Pictures doesn't like the way New Features is handling their stuff. They want to get out of the contract, but New Features says no, so they have to get around the contract. 
A man named Lucha, client unknown, starts publicizing the Martian invasion. <laughs> Need I go further? Oh, I don't know, Mr. Ryan. Sounds pretty far-fetched to me, but I don't know. That's what I like about you, Oliver. You're so innocent. <laughs> Now, let me talk to Commissioner Patrick, please. Sid Ryan. Hello. Commish, Sid Ryan. Oh. How are you, Ryan? Fine. What is it this time? You want to drop a man off the Empire State Building into a teacup full of water? The answer is no. <laughs> also, we're not arresting any fan dancers. You know I don't handle fan dancers. I want a permit for a parade. June 1st, 5th Avenue. It's a Sunday. There's no traffic. Now, look, Ryan. Macy's I... gets a permit. Gimbel's gets a permit. The American Legion gets a permit. The Sons of Aaron march every time Morton Downey sings the wearing of the green. Oh, don't give me a hard time, Patrick. This is too big. I have the 5th Avenue Merchants Association behind me. <sighs> okay, Fill out the forms. I'll pass them along to the license commissioner. That's my boy. By the way, what's the occasion for this parade? Oh, don't you read the papers, Patrick? June 1st is Martian Day. How is the campaign going, Mr. Ryan? Like wildfire, Mr. Lucha, like wildfire. Everybody and his brother is going along with the gag. Yesterday, we distributed 50,000 Martian hats to school kids. I got some of the merchants doing World of Tomorrow displays in their windows. Every big novelty manufacturer in town is climbing on the bandwagon. They want to get into the parade with floats, giveaways, anything. Everybody smells a buck to be made. I wouldn't be surprised if the mayor himself declared Martian Day. I've even arranged for Commissioner Patrick to accept a $50,000 check for the policeman's benevolent fund from the man from Mars. Oh, it's terrific, terrific. My blood pressure's up to 200. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I, uh... I understand Century Pictures spent over a million bucks making that space opera. I beg pardon? Oh, come, come, Mr. Lucha. Sid Ryan wasn't born yesterday, you know. I know who our client is, even if you don't admit it. You do? <laughs> Always thinking that's me. Well, as long as you know, let's keep it to ourselves, shall we, Mr. Ryan? As you once remarked, when these things leak out, it destroys the surprise and ruins the effectiveness of the campaign. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Daly speaking to you from our portable transmitter atop the reviewing stand for the much-heralded Martian Parade on Fifth Avenue. It's a beautiful sunlit day here in New York, a perfect day for a parade, and the streets are packed with thousands of spectators all eager to find out what this is all about. There's an air of shrill expectancy. Some of the kids and their parents have been camped on the curbstone since early this morning to be sure of ringside seats when the so-called Martians pass by. I've, uh, I've just had word from Saul Brown up at Central Park Mall that the Martians have landed from big pink balloons. And uh, now while we're waiting for the arrival of the parade... We brought some people up to our microphone to tell you their reactions to this most spectacular of all publicity stunts. That's right. Come on. Uh, what's your name, madam? Uh, Miss Ada Shackley. A little louder, please. Miss Ada Shackley. Uh huh. And where are you from, Mrs. Shackley? Columbus, Ohio. I see. And I, I see you have your family with you too. Uh, two little curly-headed blonde boys. 
Uh, are you in New York on vacation? We came for the Shriners Convention with their daddy. Uh, well, uh, what do you think of Martian Day, Mrs. Shackley? Well, it all seems very strange to me, but the boys have been pestering me to watch it, so we've been standing here two hours. I, I can't make head or tail of it. Well, uh, neither can a lot of other people, Mrs. Shackley. But judging by the thousands here today, there's a lot of curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat, folks say. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Shackley. Mr. Ryan's here. Yeah. Well, which is, yeah. Uh, Ryan, right. And uh, this is Mr. Sid Ryan, ladies and gentlemen, the publicity man who's the brains behind the Martian Day stunt. Hello, Sid. Good morning, Kenneth. Uh, easy, easy. Not so close to the mic. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hey, Sid, you've certainly lifted the lid this time. Looks like it, doesn't it? Sid, there's been a great deal of speculation as to exactly what all this is leading up to. I've heard some folks say it's a big war bond drive. Uh, others think it's just to stimulate local business. <laughs> and, uh, look, I, I understand in the trade itself, the smart, smart money says you're building for the premiere of Century's forthcoming extravaganza, Invasion from Mars. Now, come clean. Can you tell us what the real story is? Ah, I can. I'd like to, but honestly, I can. Oh, man of mystery, eh? Are you going to watch the parade from the stand here? No, I can't. I can't stand noise. I'm going out to my office and watch it company. <laughs> well, thank you, Sid Ryan. And good luck. And here they come, ladies and gentlemen. The first units of the big Martian parade. Swinging down Fifth Avenue with fanfare, colored streamers, music, confetti, floats, all the trappings of a Mardi Gras. And here in the vanguard is a whole, a whole troop of little midgets in weird-looking pink and blue spacesuits carrying Rube Goldberg weapons with signs painted on them. Let's see, I, I can read one which says... Atomic Blaster. Another one has a placard reading, We're, uh, we're Martian through Georgia. <laughs> and here come the clowns, laughing and falling all over each other. They're giving free sugar candy to the kids along the way. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a happy, laughing crowd along Fifth Avenue today. A true reflection of the great sense of humor and good nature that makes America the place it is. This is promised as the climax of the show. And now a great hush has fallen over the crowd. It's quite a sight to see these thousands of people standing here expectantly, hearing only the great regular sigh of their mass breathing. And now here they come, ladies and gentlemen, the Martians, marching in booted, helmeted ranks, row after row of them. Why, this is an impressive sight, ladies and gentlemen, and a rather serious contrast to the rest of the joyous slapstick parade we've witnessed. There are perhaps, oh, 200 tall, broad-chested men dressed in metallic gray spacesuits with thick glass visors drawn across their faces. Each is holding an ominous-looking ray gun at the ready position. They're marching in absolute silence, keeping step perfectly, as though some mute, unspoken command were marking time for them. The, the crowd seems rather grim and serious now. Perhaps they're reminded of the actuality of war and possible invasion. 
They stand solemnly, silently, watching. Even the children are awed. And now the first ranks of the Martians are moving past us, down Fifth Avenue toward the reviewing stands at the square. No one moves. What's that? What's happening? There, a woman, a woman, ladies and gentlemen. She dashed out into the street. For what reason, I don't know. She attempted to lift the visor of one of the Martian spacesuits, but just as she reached the Martian, she fell forward in a dead faint. I tell you, I've never felt such mass tension in a crowd as we're experiencing here right now, today. All sorts of rumors have begun filtering back through the audience. There are excited whispers of she's dead, she fainted, and now an undercurrent of... What? They're really Martians. This is an example of how a single incident can precipitate mass hysteria, ladies and gentlemen. I tell you, it's a mighty reassuring sight to see the blue uniforms of New York's finest spaced every ten feet or so along the avenue. Somehow, I, I can't explain it, this incident has begun to work on what was a moment ago a happy, carefree crowd. And the complexion is changing. Did you see that? A woman fainted. Of course I saw it. What do you suppose she saw? Oliver, old man, did I ever tell you you were too naive for this business? But that young woman ran out into the streets to get a close look at the Martians, and then she screamed and fainted dead away. I'm well aware of that, Oliver, since I paid her 50 bucks to do it. What? The dramatic moment, Oliver, the stock and trade of the good publicity man. Relax. Holy smokes, you sure think of everything. Yeah, for my share of this deal, roughly $100,000, I can afford to think of everything. Uh, shut the window. Don't you want to see the finish? We'll go down to the reviewing stand for the finish. Right now, I want to make a phone call. Uh, by the way, where's Lucha? I haven't seen him. Well, he'll be around. Boy, those Martians sure look like the real thing. How would you know the real thing if you saw it, Oliver? Gee, I don't know. Uh, close the window, Oliver. Oh, yes, Mr. Ryan. Talent agency. Sammy, this is Sid Ryan. Say, listen, Sid, I was going to call you. I'm awful sorry about those Martians. What do you mean, sorry? They're terrific. Now, don't joke, Sid. I mean it. Well, I mean it, too. They're great, great. Are you in the bag? Never felt better. You mean it, don't you? Of course I mean it. What is this? There are Martians in the parade? About 150. Of course, I only ordered 50, but Sid, under uh, the circumstances... Sid. Well, what is it? Sid, don't you know? I couldn't get you a single movie extra. There's a studio strike in New York. I was going to call you, but I figured... Hey, wait a minute. I... Where these guys come from if you didn't hire them? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe Oliver... Oh, hold on. Oliver? Yes, Mr. Ryan? Did you hire those Martians? No, sir, I... Sammy, this is on the level, isn't it? Honest, Sid, I... Okay, ca- Sammy, I'll call you back. What's the matter, Mr. Ryan? I don't know. I just don't know. I've got to locate Lucha. What's Century Pictures number? Mr. Ryan, this is Sunday. Oh, yeah. Well, get me their publicity director, Marty Sanford, at home. Oh, yes, Thanks. Sanford. Uh, Marty, this is Sid Ryan. Oh, hello, Sid. How's the... Uh, fine, fine. Uh, listen, Marty, this is dead serious. On the level, get it? What's wrong? I've got to locate Lucha. Uh, Lou who? Lucha, come on now, Marty. This is life and death. The guy you sent over to hire me for the invasion picture. Invasion picture? Invasion from Mars, the space opera. Are you, Batty? Marty... That picture was shelved last month. 
What? Sure, back in the can. Too expensive and too fantastic. The big shots decided you can't sell a Martian invasion to the American public. And I never heard of a guy named Luke. Mother in heaven. What is it, Mr. Ryan? You look terrible. That's too fantastic. What's too fantastic, Mr. Ryan? Is something wrong? Open that window. I want another look at those Martians. Yes, sir. Look at them. Oliver, you were in the army. Could 150 movie extras learn to march like that in, say, 24 hours? Not in 24 days, Mr. Ryan. Not a second's hesitation. Not one other step. Look at the way they carry those ray guns at the ready. The only other time I've seen troops march like that was in a film of the Nazi stormtroops marching through the streets of Paris. See those chests on that's pride. Sheer, arrogant pride. Look at those chins. That's contempt. Nobody could act like that. Mr. Ryan! Oliver, get down there. Find that woman who fainted. Her name's Gloria Montex. Get her up here. Make it fast. Stay away from me. Gloria, it's me, Sid Ryan. Oh, don't kill me. You're a Martian. Gloria, settle down. Now you're wearing a mask. Baby, it's me, Sid. And underneath, it's, it's awful. It's all big green eyes and those, those feelings like, like a captain. Baby, snap out of it. Listen, what happened down there? You ran out and screamed like I told you, but the fainting, that wasn't the act. Oh, go away, please. Go away. What'd you see? Oh, no, please. It's too awful. Please, please. Just one question, baby. Inside that helmet, what'd you see? You won't get anything, Oliver, Mr. Ryan. She needs a doctor. Okay, Oliver, I've heard enough anyway. You take care of Gloria here. Get her a drink. Where are you going? To see the commissioner. we got to stop this parade before things begin to happen. Okay, Ryan, what's the beef? Listen, Patrick. I don't know what it is, see, but something's wrong. you got to stop that parade. Uh, I suppose you'd like the riot squad. That would get you a front-page spread on every paper in town. Honest, you publicity guys give me a pay. This may be a matter of life and death. Oh, sure, sure. Look, Ryan, I've got no time for your cheap publicity gags. I'm a busy man. Listen, I'm trying to tell you I don't know where these Martians came from, who they are, anything about them. All I want you to do is stop the parade and make sure they're on the level. Uh-uh, Ryan, I'm wise to your tricks. Now, if you let the sergeant show you out... You won't do it, huh? An honest citizen appeals for protection and you refuse it. I most emphatically do. Now beat it. All right, Patrick. I'll go right to the mayor's office. I'll have you busted flatter than a fried egg. Go ahead. I'm sure his honor will be glad to toss you out on that phony nickel-plated skull of yours. You heard me, Ryan. You cannot see the mayor. Adolf, please. This isn't a gag. I don't want publicity. All I want to do is maybe prevent something horrible from happening. In case you don't know it, wise guys, something horrible is already happening. A couple hundred little kids are in the hospital with ptomaine poisoning from that phony Martian candy you passed out. Or didn't you know? I didn't. We've got to stop that parade. Sure, sure, you'd like nothing better than to start a panic now. Maybe a few hundred people would get trampled to death. Think of the newspaper space that would get you and your product. I won't stand for this, Adolf. You won't have to, because you're going to get out of here right now. Go on, beat it, get out. You and your publicity stunts make me sick to my stomach. Oliver? Oliver, where are you? Uh, Oliver? Oliver! It is useless what? 
to scream at him, Mr. Ryan. Your friend is quite dead. Lucha. He wanted to run to the police with some story about a Martian invasion. I found it necessary to restrain him. Restrain him, you stinking murderer. Now, now, Mr. Ryan, collect yourself. After all our planning, it wouldn't do to have everything spoiled, now would it? Lucha, start talking and talk fast, because when you get through, I'm going to take you apart piece by piece. What's this all about? But surely you know, Mr. Ryan, after all, you've been publicizing it for months. Listen, you... Please do not interrupt. You see, before colonizing your planet, we Martians sent advanced scouts to study your habits, your weaknesses. We found that the people on Earth are predominantly conditioned by advertising and publicity, and so... We conceived the idea of treating our entire invasion as a vast publicity stunt. Clever, huh? After all, Mr. Ryan, who would suspect an invader who advertised his invasion in the newspaper, invited the public to his surprise attack, and spent millions publicizing his plans? Holy jumping catfish. You've done very well. Then there was no product. Ah, but there is a product. The product is... Death. What are you trying to do, Lucha? We Martians are a humane people, Mr. Ryan. We do not like to destroy thousands where a few hundreds would suffice. In exactly two minutes, our troops will treat the world to a spectacle of death which will bring the rest of your planet to its knees in horror. Nations will clamor to surrender. Perhaps, Mr. Lucha. But not if I can help it! You... Yes, please. Operator, this is Mr. Ryan. Get me the field telephone on the reviewing stand of the Martian Day Parade. Hurry. Anyone in particular? Just hurry! Reviewing stand, Sergeant Cassidy. Get me Commissioner Patrick. Hello. 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 You'll have to talk loud. I want Commissioner Patrick. Patrick, Patrick! Wait wait a minute. Things are quieting down. Uh, now, what was it you wanted? This is Ryan. I have to talk to the commissioner. It's a matter of life and death. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't talk to him now. The chief Martian is presenting the PBA check to him. The Martians are going to fire a salute. Listen, you got to stop him. What? Stop him! I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan. You idiot, the worst is going on! This is the operator. I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan. You've been cut off. I can't seem to get them back. Doesn't matter, operator. Nothing matters now. Tonight... X-1 has brought you The Parade, an original story written by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Joseph Curtin as Ryan, Joe DeSantis as Luchar, Alexander Scorby as Daly, Agnes Young as The Woman, Ellen Deming as Gloria, John Thomas as Oliver, Arthur Anderson as Sammy, Wendell Holmes as The Commissioner, and William Keene as Sanford, your announcer Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way. And it's a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Next week, the tables turn. Instead of Martians invading Earth, we bring you a tale of men invading Mars. Ray Bradbury's brilliant short story entitled, Mars is Heaven. 
Suppose you were a member of the first rocket ship crew to land on Mars, but instead of seeing Martians, you find that you've landed in a town that looks just like home, that all your dead relatives and friends are there to greet you, so that as incredible as it may seem, you think you're really in heaven. That is, you think so, right up to the fatal moment. The moment of X minus one. Join the Abbots on another baffling mystery tonight over most NBC radio stations. What we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Duck and cover. Be sure and remember what Bert the Turtle just did, friends, because every one of us must remember to do the same thing. That's what this film is all about. Duck and cover. This is an official civil defense film produced in cooperation with the Federal Civil Defense Administration and in consultation with the Safety Commission of the National Education Association. Produced by Archer Productions, Incorporated. Hey, Bert, come on out and meet all these nice people, please. Oh, all right. We really can't blame you. You see, Bert is a very, very careful fellow. When there's danger, this is the way he keeps from being hurt. Sometimes it even saves his life. That's why these children are practicing to duck and cover just as you do in your school. We all know the atomic bomb is very dangerous. Since it may be used against us, we must get ready for it, just as we are ready for many other dangers that are around us all the time. Fire is a danger. It can burn whole buildings if someone is careless. But we are ready for fire. We have a fine fire department to put out the fire. And you have fire drills in your school so you know what to do. Automobiles can be dangerous too. They sometimes cause bad accidents, but we are ready. We have safety rules that car drivers and people who are walking must obey. Now, we must be ready for a new danger, the atomic bomb. First, you have to know what happens when an atomic bomb explodes. You will know when it comes. We hope it never comes, but we must get ready. It looks something like this. There is a bright flash, brighter than the sun, brighter than anything you've ever seen. If you are not ready and did not know what to do, it could hurt you in different ways. It could knock you down hard or throw you against a tree or a wall. It is such a big explosion, it can smash in buildings and knock signboards over and break windows all over town. But if you duck and cover like Bert, you will be much safer. You know how bad sunburn can feel. The atomic bomb flash could burn you worse than a terrible sunburn, especially where you're not covered. Now, you and I don't have shells to crawl into like Bert the Turtle, so we have to cover up in our own way. First, you duck, and then you cover. And very tightly, you cover the back of your neck and your face. Duck and cover underneath a table or desk or anything else close by. In Betty's school, they are talking about the atomic bomb, too. Betty is asking her teacher, 
how can we tell when the atomic bomb may explode? And a teacher is explaining that there are two kinds of attack, with warning and without any warning. We think that most of the time we will be warned before the bomb explodes, so there will be time for us to get into our homes, schools, or some other safe place. No matter where we live, in the city or the country, we must be ready all the time for the atomic bomb. Duck and cover! That's the first thing to do. Duck and cover. The next important thing to do after that is to stay covered until the danger is over. Yes, we must all get ready now so we know how to save ourselves if the atomic bomb ever explodes near us. If you do not know just what to do, ask your teacher when this film is over. Discuss what you could do in different places if a bomb explodes. Older people will help us as they always do, but there might not be any grown-ups around when the bomb explodes. Then, you're on your own. Remember what to do, friends. Now tell me right out loud. What are you supposed to do when you see the flash? Duck and cover. Duck and cover. This program is brought to you by the makers of Popsicle, Budgicle, and Creamsicle, those delicious frozen confections on a stick. Now I have a swell surprise for you. The famous winner of the typical American boy contest has now become Popsicle Pete. And here's a message from him. Hello, everybody. I sure am glad to meet you. And boy, am I glad I was picked to be the typical American boy, because now I'm Popsicle Pete. I always wanted to be on the radio, and now I have a chance to tell you about some wonderful presents you can get free. See, you ought to see them, hundreds of them. You get them just for saving bags from Misty Popsicle, Pudgicle, and Creamsicle. Some gifts, even better than Christmas. You can get a wristwatch, a movie camera, table tennis, a wallet, a doll. See, lots of gifts. Just save the bags from Pop Popsicle, Creamsicle, and Pudgicle on a handy stick. Boy, do they taste good. Wholesome, too, and nourishing. Made fresh every day of the finest ingredients. The biggest five cents worth anywhere. And say, kids, get the free illustrated popsicle gift list at your ice cream store. A free coupon comes with it, worth ten bags. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of Astounding Science Fiction, presents... X, 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 minus, 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 The Martian Death March. I've always been interested in lost causes. 
the revolt of the Scottish Jacobites against England, the last stand of the Cherokee and Sioux Indians, and the death march of the Martian Highlanders in 1997. There's been a lot written about that march. The UN Commission report covers four volumes, but the whole story isn't down on paper yet. I know it because I was on that march from the beginning to the end. There's one part of the story that no one ever mentions. The Martian Death March of 97 was led by an Earthman. Maybe you've been over the route of the march. There wasn't any highway there 30 years ago in 97. There was desert. Hot, burning desert. I lived at the edge of the Kalmak Canal then with my father. He was a prospector searching the surrounding desert with sonar probe and Geiger counter, scratching just enough ore from under the Martian sands to pay for our grub stake the next year. I remember he was in the Adamson Digger in the North Quadrant when I came running out that day. Dad! 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 There's somebody coming, Dad, across the desert. You sure? I saw them. They're a couple of miles out. Well, how many cars? They're on foot. On foot across the desert? Honest, Dad. I saw them. Are you sure it wasn't a light reflection off the canal? No. It was dark against the sand. I don't like that. You run back and get the rifles out. I've got to pull the digger into the shed. Is there going to be fighting, Dad? I don't know. I got a whole year's ore piled out back in the bins, and I ain't going to lose it to no claim jumpers. You go back to the shack and break out those rifles and see they're loaded, you hear? And jump! <laughs> Dad had three surplus army rifles and a couple of homemade grenades made out of ore cans stuffed with Adamson A explosives. We crouched inside the shack, waiting. The shadow of the water tower in the doorway grew longer as the quick Martian dusk settled down over the desert. And there they come, Al. There's two of them. What's that on the first one's back? Why, I haven't seen one of those in 20 years. What is it? A one-man desert tank. They used to carry water that way before Adamson put out the air still units. There's something funny about that second one. Look, he's all spindly, and his head's funny. He's funny, all right. Al, that's a Martian. I never saw one off the reservation before. There hasn't been one, not in ten years. I don't like this. Here they come into the dooryard. You remember what I told you? Line up the sights and just squeeze the trigger. Hello! Hello there! Now, Dad? Hello! Wait a minute. What do you want? Water! I need water! Who are you? My name is John. John, huh? What are you doing with that spider? His name is Kantalka. I don't care what his name is. What's a human doing with a Martian? I found him in the dry bed of Kalmak Canal. Nearly dead of thirst. He probably ran off on the reservation. When our brothers are caged, they seek freedom. Brothers? Those spiders? All living creatures are our brothers. On Mars, as on Earth. Hey, wait a minute. Bert Olstrom at False Wells told me there was a screwball hedge preacher over there hollering about letting the spiders loose off the reservations. Let no man call his own. No man, nor tribe, nor nation. <laughs> I guess that's you, all right. Bert told me they called you Crazy John. I don't suppose there's any harm in you. Fill your tank up at the air still. And uh, you can even have supper with us. We would be happy to. We? 
What do you mean, we? Cantal Carr and myself. That spider? Oh, no, I ain't having a Martian sitting down to eat with me. You come on, though. Thank you, sir. No. Where my brother is not welcome, I cannot go. Well, suit yourself. Al, get the key to the water tower. Come out here. All right, Dad. And put away the guns. We won't have any trouble from these two. The old man filled his tank at the air still tower, and the Martian went through the ash pile for half-burned fuel brick. When we went to the house for supper, I could see them silhouetted against the fire. The old man with his wild hair and beard, and the thin, spidery arms and legs of the Martian. Dad? What? Are all the Martians on the reservation? Yeah. All but a couple of wild ones in the mountains up north. The patrol catches a couple every year. Why? Well, they murder people. No, I mean, why are they on the reservation? Because mm, it's the safest place to keep them, uh, past the salt. How many are there? Oh, I don't know. A few thousand. They keep dying off. Why? Well, they catch earth diseases. Chicken pox almost wiped out the whole gang of them two years ago. Chicken pox? I had that. It didn't wipe me out. <laughs> you ain't a Martian. I was born on Mars. Well, I mean you ain't one of those spiders. Now, eat your food. It'll get cold. Okay. Dad... Oh, what now? Were the Martians always on the reservation? Well, since the Outpost 3 massacre, they have been. What was that? Oh, back before you were born, they lived wild in the mountains up north. Were they fierce? Mm, fierce enough. Only place for them spiders, behind wire. Yeah, it sure is. Out in the dooryard, the campfire flickered at the base of the water tower. The first of the Martian moons had set. The other wouldn't rise for several hours. I could hear the sand peepers out in the desert as I stood there. The old man and the Martian were sitting on the ground, huddled close to the fire. It gets cold fast on the desert when the sun goes down. Is that you, boy? You can come up to the fire if you like. My dad wouldn't like it. All right. But I'm not afraid of no spider. No, there is nothing to be afraid of. How come his arms are all skinny? Ask him. Does he talk? Yes, his name is Kantalka. It is, huh? Hello. Hello, boy. He talks funny. It is not my language. Why isn't he on the reservation? You can get in trouble helping spiders to escape. No man has the right to imprison the innocent. They that are enslaved will be freed. They that are in sickness and misery will be comforted. They that are exiled in a strange place will be restored. My dad says the spiders are treacherous, cowardly, murdering savages. That's what he says. Boy, there was a time on this world when there were no earthmen, when the ships and the machinery of earth were unknown. Then the people of the highlands lived in peace. But today they are a handful, starving, dying behind the wire. But the reservation isn't so bad. Our home is in the mountains of the north, not the desert. I heard a voice which cried out to me in the desert, Go to your brothers. Do they really call you crazy, John? I have been called many things. You 
really think we ought to let those old spiders off the reservation? Why we die here in the desert? We die in the sun and of the sicknesses you have brought from Earth. That's cause Martians are just weak. I'll bet I could knock you down myself. You could. We are a different people. We have not the strength of muscle of Earthmen. But we will not stay here to die. You won't get off the reservation. The patrol takes care of all that. They won't let any stinking old spiders out. Ah, even in the minds of children is planted the poison of evil. How long? That night through the window, I could see the flicker of the old man's campfire. He was walking up and down now, shouting, singing hymns verse after verse, his white beard catching the light as he passed behind the fire. The Martian sat slumped over, his thin, spindly arms folded across the huge barrel chest that had developed over the centuries as the air of Mars thinned and escaped into space. In the morning, I looked out, and they were gone. Looking back now, we wonder how they did it. The high-voltage wire around the reservation carried a fatal charge. The patrolmen in the tower had 50-caliber machine guns. The desert around the camp was mined heavily. Yet, at dawn, August 7th, 1997, they broke out. I was down at the dried-up canal bed hunting sandpeepers when my father came running after me. Al! Al! Here I am. Come on, back to the house. What's the matter, Dad? You shut up and run. What is it? The spiders busted loose. Bert Olstrom radioed in. They come in here? They're headed this way, the murdering devils. They kill anybody? Six patrolmen when they busted through the wire. What are you going to do, Dad? Fire a keg of Adamson A across the gate. You get in there and get the guns out. I got the rifles and shoved a full clip in each one. Then I slipped a primer fuse on the homemade grenades and lugged them out to the porch. Dad was running lead wires back to a detonator from a half keg of Adamson A he'd set across the gate. There. And that's it. Now give me one of those rifles. Will they be here soon? You can see the dust over the rise. Murdering spiders. What'll they do? I don't know. Now make sure you get a good sight, Al. Don't waste any bullets. There they are, Dad. There they come. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up now. I want to get a good shot. Let him get closer. Dad, that's Crazy John up in front. There. He's taller than the spiders. You can see his beard. You're right. Oh, that renegade rat. He probably helped him break out of the reservation. Listen, Al. If anything happens to me, you ride out back to the shed. You can hide out in the empty ore bins till they go away. Now, you got that? All right, Dad. We're going to come in. The spider's shouting something, Dad. Probably a trick. Get down a little, Al. You're in the way. I got him clear now. Right in the head. Up a little now. Got him. Got him, Al. Dad, look out. They've got guns. Down. Get down. Dad. Get out, Al. Get out to the shed. Dad, you're, you're hit. Go on. Those spiders are going to rush. Now get going. No, no, I can't let Shut you. Shut up and get out of here. You hear? <laughs> get out of here. 
ran back through the house to the shed. Behind me, I could hear the Martians sweeping up to the dooryard. Then suddenly, the ground shook, and I could feel the dull concussion waves hit my ears as the Adamson A exploded. I could hear the high, whispered screams of the Martians and the rattle of fragments on the metal roof of the shed. I dived into the empty ore bin and slammed the hatch almost shut. I sat there waiting. Then suddenly a shadow fell across the edge of light, and the hatch slid open on top of me. You leave me alone. I'll kill you. Boy, I've been looking for you. Where's my dad? What did you do to my dad? He's dead. You killed him. You and those spiders. I'll kill you. I'll kill all those stinking, murdering spiders. They are our brothers, boy. Your father shot without warning, and the fire was returned against my orders. You mean you weren't going to attack us? Our brothers came in peace. They are going home to their mountains. We came to get water for the journey. You mean you just wanted water? You... Dad! Dad! John, John, the Earth Patrol will be following us soon. We must go. And the boy? We'll have to leave him here with water and supplies. No, the Earth Patrol would question him. We need the time. He goes with us. They tore the Adamson air still from the tower and mounted it on poles. They piled our supplies in the yard and loaded them on their backs. And then they started. I marched with the old man at the head, and the column stretched out behind us on the desert. I turned to look back at our house. But the sun was behind it, blinding red. The old man pulled me around as he marched, his eyes fixed on the horizon, where far to the north rose the cool mountains that were the ancient home of the Highlanders. Fourteen of the Martians died the first day. They dropped to the side of the column when they could go no farther, and died. But the march went on. On the fifth day, we swung wide to avoid a mining settlement, but not wide enough. The miners were in ambush behind a pile of rocks. promised rest, home to the mountains, march forward, march forward. And the march went on. We wound across the desert in wild zigzags, following the paths the old man had traveled through the years. Only once a patrol plane hovered on the horizon and then shot away. The days went on, the weeks, and the Martians died. They died of exhaustion. They died of the diseases we had given. And they died of thirst. The Adamson still could produce 27 units of water an hour, no more. And on that, they died of thirst. Here, boy, here's your water. But that's more than the others got. Take it. It's yours. You're giving me your water. It will be provided to me. He that brings justice to his brothers will drink deep of the water of righteousness. He that... Drink, drink your water, boy. Across the desert, from the Kalmak Canal to Fever Dip, past the towering mesas of the Higgins Badlands, across the dry sea bottoms, they marched.
On the 54th day of the march, we halted at evening. The air was thinner, colder now. The rations had long since been exhausted. I lay down to sleep wrapped in the old man's coat. Early in the morning, before sunrise, I woke suddenly. The ground mist that had covered the desert the night before was lifting slowly. And I saw the old man standing by the burned-out fire, the vapor swirling around his legs in the cold light of the false dawn, edging his wild beard. Go back to sleep, boy. I can't. The end is near. I have led them through the wilderness, dry shod across the seas, and before us lie the mountains. You mean we're almost there? When the mist is taken from the eyes of man, the place of refuge can be seen. You mean the mountains? <coughs> it's over. We're there. I, I have led them to their home, and I must go back to the desert. You mean alone? Now, now, even now, I hear a voice in the wind. Carry the message to the men of earth. Bring to this new world the message of the old. All beings created in the universe are my brothers. And he that harms my brother harms me. <coughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, boy. You'll be safe now. Goodbye, John. Goodbye. The Martians found him 500 yards from the camp, dead. Now the mist rose, and before us towered the highlands, the tall green mountains and the cool sky. The march was over. Of the 7,000 Martians who started, 900 were alive. They gathered now on the rise of ground and faced the hills. Their thin bodies wavered as they stood, and some dropped to the ground as they stood there. But there was a light of hope in their large, staring eyes. Most of them had died, but they had died on the way home. And now the march was over. Then the patrol planes were spotted on the horizon, and within ten minutes they had landed. The Martians stood silently as the squads piled out and set up the 50 caliber machine guns and the petroleum gel flamethrower. All right, you spiders. Hands up and stay together. Gather in a bunch and don't try anything. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Shoot the first spider that moves and shoot to kill. All right, where's that boy? There was a boy reported. Here I am. Uh, oh. Are you all right, kid? They hurt you? No, I'm all right. John gave me his water ration. Oh, the leader, huh? Well, I've got a warrant for him. Where is he? There. He's dead. Huh? Oh. Well, just as well. I'd hate to be him in front of a settler's jury. What are you going to do to them? The spiders? See those transport planes coming in? We're going to ship them all back to the reservation where they belong. You can't. You can't do that. What are you talking about, kid? You can't take them back. They're home. John said they were home. You can't take them back. It isn't fair. I won't let you. I won't let you. I won't let you. Let go of me. Sergeant. Yes, sir. Peel this crazy kid off me. All right, now, kid. Take it easy. (laughs) I must be shocked. Can't believe he's safe. Yeah, I guess that's it. 
All right, you spiders, step it up. Move along to those transport planes. It's all over now. You're headed right back to the reservation. They separated them in groups of 50 and loaded them on the planes. 900 out of 7,000. And soon the first big-bellied ships waddled out on the hard sands and lifted slowly into the air, headed back to the south, flying over the trail of dead and dying who started on the march to the highlands, the march to home. Don't worry about them spiders, kid. We'll take care of them. Come on now, kid. You'll feel better as soon as you get back to civilization. I looked once more at the green mountains towering through the mist. And then, just before the motor raced, I saw John. Crazy John propped up against a dognut bush where the Martians had placed him. The wind from the south gave the wild hair and beard a rippling life. He faced the hills, the home and rest he had promised his brothers as he led them through the wilderness of Mars. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. X-1 was an NBC Radio Network production.